Direct from the astronomy capital of Australia comes the Astro Podcast. An irregular series of interviews with interesting astro people about the projects and passions that keep their eyes to the sky. Welcome to the Astro Podcast. Alison here. Today we talk to three young Polish astronomers that are here at Siding Spring setting up the equipment, both hardware and software, for Project Solaris. We'll talk more about what Project Solaris actually is, as well as talking about their travels between here and South Africa and other places, and what they are actually like about Australia and in particular Coonabarabran here where we are. I hope you find it entertaining and informative, and I'll check back with you at the end of the podcast. Here we are with the uh, Astro Podcast, and we have three young gentlemen here. One of them claims not to be young, but I don't believe him, um, from <laughs> Poland. And I'm going to get them to uh, announce their names, and then we'll start talking about their project here in Australia. So, starting from the left. Um, hi, it's uh, Stan, Stan here. Yeah. And Afo, hello. And Peter. And Peter. Okay, we've got you guys here in Australia, and usually we have Polish people come to be backpackers, and you guys, as you strode across the um, road today, you looked very backpackerish. But why are you guys here in Australia? Tell us a bit about your project. So maybe I will start. Uh, our project is an um, international project, but main base is uh, in Poland. It's run by uh, Polish Academy of Science, and we are students of, of this institution, and we are building the global network of robotic telescopes, uh, half a meter telescopes. Uh, we will do uh, photometry with those telescopes, and we will look for extrasolar circumbinary planets. Before we get on to what that actually means, <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me what you're studying at Okay, I'm a PhD student of astronomy in Poland, okay. and my area is uh, looking for effects in binary stars. So uh, we know a lot about those stars, but still the precision of this knowledge is not so good as we wanted to, to have it. So we want to know more about those stars, how to measure them, how to get some science from them, and that's okay. basically what I'm doing. Okay, I'm the newcomer uh, to the project, and actually I've finished astronomy, I'm master in astronomy. However, I'm finishing right now computer sciences, that's why they employed me ah. to run the automation and roboting uh, of the system. What a great um, combination there. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> yeah. and um, I, I got my master's in astronomy a few years ago, mm -hmm. now I just started my PhD. But uh, I'm also an engineer. I specialize in automation robotics, so that's uh, that's what I'm doing in this project right now. Wow, there's a there's a lot of letters here. <laughs> <laughs> so we got engineering, computing, and astronomy, and astronomy across the board. Um, so this is an international project. So where else are you installing or setting up? Oh, this is the interesting part of the project. So um, in fact, uh, Australia is just one of the three sites. Um, we'll have one telescope here. Uh, we will have two telescopes in South Africa, in the South African Astronomical Observatory, and one telescope in Argent Argentina. It will be in an observatory called Casleo. 
um, and this this will allow us to have full coverage of the sky during the whole day, 24 hours. So that's the basic idea of having a network of telescopes uh, uh, distributed evenly around the globe, not just in one place. Right. The computer expert, why why have you just joined the project? What what part are you doing down here at the moment? Well, basically, you said before that you like sleeping during the night. <laughs> yes. So that's the idea, um, because we want to make it robotic, meaning from Poland, back from Poland, we want to run all the telescopes and all the system for it to trace. For example, you want to trace some star or some field. You want to do it from there, not to come here all the time. So right. that's the idea behind it. And so here we have to install everything and make it run as a service for Torun. So Torun is a city in Poland. We, we're running it. All right. You were talking about binary stars and the effects of on them. Mm-hmm. Can you go into more details about what part the project, you know, what exactly you will be looking for. So the interesting thing is that almost all of the stars, I would say like 60% of them, when you look on the sky, are binary stars. So they may look like a single stars, but in fact they are binaries. But, But because they are so far away, you couldn't say that they are binaries. But usually they uh, form in uh, multiple systems. So that's that's the common common way how the stars are born. And we are looking for planets around those binaries. So you could see a double sunset. And a, it, there was a movie, I suppose almost everyone seen it. There was a Star Wars movie. when the look, Tattooing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Luke Skywalker, there is a famous scene, was looking at the sunset of two stars. Mm. So we are looking for such a planet. And the interesting part is because uh, almost all planets that we know already almost 700 of them, uh, are around single stars. So the very interesting thing is how uh, how do they form, how do they evolve, and if they exist around binary stars. Because we have to know this, to have some statistics, and to say if the chance of having the planet around binary star is the same as having the star, uh, having a, sorry, having a planet around the single star. And what we are doing, we are looking for a special effects that the planet uh, revolving around the binary stars have on them. So we can measure the time of the eclipse of the one star on, on the other star. And the time of this eclipse will move if the thir- third body is present around those, those stars. So this is what we are looking for. And... There is one planet already discovered by this method and it was discovered a few months ago. So it's a big hype and a big thing for us. And it was done by the famous uh, American satellite Kepler. And that's a big thing in the science. Right. Great. Before we talk about what you're doing here in Australia, you guys, you were here for a small amount of time and then you went off. Can you tell me more about what you did in uh, South Africa. Okay, so from the beginning, Australia was our first visit. Uh, we managed to do uh, some things, but not all that we, we have planned. Then we had to move on to South Africa. Uh, we basically started with uh, assembling the domes, which uh, which were delivered uh, in a container to South Africa. They are manufactured in Europe, in Germany. Um, then we uh, assembled the telescope, which is obviously the, the most important part of the observatory. And we started um, integrating all the equipment uh, mainly on the hardware side. 
and uh, getting it to work, calibrate and uh, prepare everything for, for software integration, which is what we are doing in fact right now here. But the, the neat thing about all this is that uh, we use basically exactly the same equipment everywhere. So the setup is 95% is the same. So uh, like when we, when we go from one side to another, we, we um, have some experience and we, we just uh, update our things. So when we start, start doing things in Australia, we already know and have all that we have done in South Africa. So this way we, we uh, advance much faster than rather than if we would have a completely different set of equipment on each side. I do know that there is one thing in Australia they don't have in South Africa, and that's lady beetles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, we were dealing with them for the past two weeks. Uh, um, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it seems that it's really a problem here. And yeah. Though our dome is pretty well sealed, it's, it's a quite a, a fancy construction, uh, fiber, fiberglass construction, and it's, it's well sealed. And despite that, the, the, these, these little creatures um, just found their way inside and, and concentrated into uh, two spots inside the dome. I think we, we got rid of them, most of them at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to vacuum them. Yes, we had to vacuum them. We, we yeah. used we used a few vacuum bags to to get rid of all of them. Yeah, but, sorry, no ladybugs was harmed. No, that's time. right. It was very gentle vacuuming. Course, yes, yes <laughs> yeah. very gentle. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did some research. I don't know if Ian told you, but um, oil of mint. Have you tried that? No, <laughs> that will repel them. It's very low low um, tech, but Maybe, I don't know if it'll affect your things to have something sitting in there with with some oil in there and they don't like the smell. Apparently, you should test it. So it doesn't have to be spread anywhere. No, 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 just the smell. And because mint is very minty, Uh you know, the smell. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Just like toothpaste. Can you still work in in the dome when you spray it? Yeah, or you don't even need to, you know how you have... um, Oh, you know, something that makes the room smell and it just sits mm-hmm. there inert. Okay. And then, so you try that. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. want to spray oil anywhere. But um, <laughs> um, onto the computer stuff, you're doing sort of the – can you tell us more about how you're connecting to Poland? Um, well, you know, is obviously. this private or, you know, dark fiber or the internet? Yeah. No, no, no. Cloud? It's, it's the internet and cloud, actually. Yeah, but, okay. Well, we, uh, we want to move it to the cloud maybe in the future mm-hmm. because it depends on what kind of software we want to build on. Right. But basically, we use the internet to connect to here. So right now, there's this uh, uh, paradigm to move everything, every software, to move it as a service from the internet. So basically, yes. your computer is just an endpoint and you do everything there. There, mm-hmm. you don't know what it is. And... So here we want to make some services and the clients will be in Torun well, to uh, unravel the thing. Right. You, you've got applications that somehow transmit information to the internet. And if you know how to connect to it, how to find it in the internet, you just can connect it, can connect to it and run everything from there as every software, as a service paradigm thing. Sure. So that's the idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, for nerds like me, I like hearing well, stuff like that. So. Actually, that's why we want to uh, have some help from the computer engineering people like at the universities. Because actually, 
uh, this is very sophisticated software so to run everything we'd like to have everything very up to date yes now. wow okay I would like to add something because our network will generate tremendous amount of data. Yes. So we expect like 50 gigabytes per night from Australia. And this is the only place we can have uh, direct transfer from Australia back to Poland. In the other place, like South Africa or in Argentina, we will have to use hard drive sent by FedEx uh, to and get just the data. It blows my mind <laughs> to so, think of that. So, so this so, is not the internet, it's just moving. No, so <laughs> what, they're SSDs or something and you're loading them up and shipping them off? Just normal exactly. hard drives. And that's much cheaper and faster than using <laughs> the internet connection. <laughs> on the yeah, that's right, on the donkey. There was a test that was the yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. about the I mean, doing uh, the transfer. Yeah. Um, does that cause any, I mean, if you have the normal uploading of data, inf you know, information in real time, well, close to it, what sort of delay is that introducing? Or do it doesn't really matter for you guys? For but us, it doesn't really matter. <clears throat> From We want to have a view on the network which can be delayed by one day or mm. maybe by a few hours. But in case of some interesting events happening on the sky, we want to interrupt the current program on the telescope and put a new plan, new program on them. So it is possible even with the very slow internet connection. So that's possible, but we can wait for a data, even one month. Sure. So that, that's okay. The project will last like five years. Mm -hmm. So, and we expect first results after one or two years. So that's the sure. time. Think of it like if it's not the data you're transferring, it's quite fast. Yes. So the data is the problem. Yes. Sometimes we know we've got it uh, locally, yeah. but we don't have them there. So yeah. that's why we've got the okay. donkey system. <laughs> but, but there's one more thing worth mentioning. Uh, we are talking about, about raw data right now. Yes. And each of the sites is equipped with a computer with, uh, with high throughput uh, graphical units that will do basic data reduction. And uh, this means that uh, even though we won't have all the data back in Poland, we will, we will be able to transmit the scientific information that ah, comes great. from that data uh, on daily basis. I mean, if something happens during the night, uh, Either is our project related to our project or something else, I don't know, gamma ray burst or whatever that mm. we might be interested in doing sometime in the future, then we will be able to extract this data, which will be uh, reduced on, on site here. So that's the, that's the idea of, of having uh, like this, this computer here on site that will be able to do this. Yeah, so the okay. basic idea if, uh, is like everything, maybe not everything, but more, most of the stuff you can automatize. It this way, yes. Uh, so uh, you can say it much better than I can. I can't say. <laughs> Thank you. Automate. Automate. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Uh, so uh, if you can can do it, we would like to do it because uh, you want the result before the morning coffee. Yes. So you wake up and you've yeah. got the result. That's and right. You can say I did it, even though it's <laughs> yeah. just a system. No, it's fabulous. So this this setup is just strictly for the one project. Well. Well, yes, but uh, I, I mean, know. we are uh, at some at somehow um, we must uh, show our results because the, the the funding agency requires us to to show results uh, of what we have applied for doing here. So, so that's that will take uh, most of our most of the telescope time during the first five years of the project. Sure. But of course, it's uh, it doesn't mean that we cannot do do other things that are that will not interfere with our. Uh, with, with the project-related observing, which is 
quite specific because we, we have a selected group of targets which we have to um, monitor all the time and they are not always visible and, and yeah. many many other aspects have to be taken into account. So there will be times when the telescopes will have, will have some free time. Yeah. And we will, of course, use this time for scientific for scientific uh, experiments or whatever that. Sure. Um. So, oh, sorry. I would like to add something because we are open for the cooperation and the free time, the time we want to use can be spent on anything. So if someone has a good idea and nice project, we are open for propositions that won't be much time, but still yeah. that will be something. So Sure. That's... That's the nice thing. That's yeah, that's very nice of you guys. We're observing the field, so if somebody's got the target in the field, yes. it can be observed as well. Fabulous. Specifically then your you've got you it sounds like you've got a bunch of targets already picked out that you want to have a look at as as hot spots or whatever. Um how did you who who chose them and why were they chosen sort of thing? Okay, I think it's time to mention our boss. Yes, <laughs> and the, are they paying the money as well? <laughs> he's paying, he's our boss, so yeah. Professor Maciej Konacki from Poland. Right. And uh, he had an idea, let's say seven or eight years ago, about looking for those um, planets around binaries, and he chose from the catalogue called ASAS, that's what, I think that's the acronym, and it's uh, the catalog of stars and light curves. So you can see what uh, type of the stars you can have. And he um, chose some filters to um, get rid of the not very optimistic stars, let's say maybe not very good stars for our project. And after some time of simulations and tests, we chose the set of 300 binary stars that are most promising stars. So they are a very short period stars. So we can get eclipse every few days or even every day. So that's interesting because we, what we measure is the time of the eclipse. So we want to have them as many as possible. And they have to be separated. Many of binary stars are somehow connected. Mm. And the influence uh, is, is, uh, has an impact on the data reduction. And the data reduction is much more difficult so we choose, let's say, easier tar targets that can be easily uh, easily measured. So uh, that's the basic uh, basic filter we applied for those those stars. Okay. So I, I remember something else, so yeah, maybe sure. I will add some more information because uh, we also look at bright stars. Our telescopes are not so big, they are half a meter in diameter. Yes. So the stars has to be pretty bright. And because this, uh, this is uh, quite important for us, this brightness, those stars are pretty close to Earth as well. This wasn't choose, but because we want to have bright stars, the bright stars are usually much closer to the Earth. So if we discover something, it should be close. Yeah. Because, uh, most of the stars that are in the universe, at least the universe as we know it, are binary stars. Yes. So it was easier to look for stars for planets around single stars before because there are many techniques that allow to do it uh, quite easily. Yep. And no one, in fact, bothered to look at the binary stars, which in fact uh, uh, are very, very common. So that's one. That's that's one thing that's interesting. And and mm. I think doing interesting things in science and doing something that hasn't been done before is, is yep. what makes it so so, so nice and interesting.
Are we? I mean, are you looking for Earth-type planets or just any, like any planet? Because of the setup of our network, we will be able to look only on the massive Jupiter-like planets. Right. So that's the point, and uh, it's quite interesting also to know how the planets evolve, how do they form, and if we discover planets around binaries, it says something. Even if we don't discover them, it says something as well. Yes. It says that it's much more difficult to form a planet around the binary star and then it's a, a bit sad fact because we will lose half of the stars yeah yeah you were saying that you've got a half meter telescope can you tell us more about the telescope itself people would be interested about that um, so we have two types of instruments mm -hmm. uh, uh, Richie Chrétien in South Africa and Argentina uh, due to the uh, good seeing conditions and general um, conditions at the observatory and Schmidtke Segrin here mm -hmm. in Australia. Um, this one has almost uh, uh, 30, 20, 26 minutes, uh, arc minutes field of view. Uh, the other one, Richie Curtiens, have uh, half, half of that. Um, we use a field rotator, uh, filter wheel, which is pretty common among uh, amateur mm -hmm. astronomers, I guess, and a, a three-stage uh, Peltier-cooled CCD camera that mm -hmm. can go down easily to minus 70 or 80 degrees without water cooling. Mm -hmm. It has very, very low uh, readout noise and dark current, which makes it ideal for very, very precise uh, brightness measurements. So that's the goal. And I would like just to add a thing that, uh, to what Peter said before. Even if we don't discover something, we will be able to um, do very high quality and high precision stellar astrophysics because the data that we will have will be, uh, it's, it's, I mean, you, you, don't, you don't ever uh, monitor a single star with um, such cadency as we plan to do it. So right. this way, uh, I mean, it will be a very interesting topic for next PhD students, yes. master's students, or whatever. So given the field of view that we have here, for example, mm -hmm. uh, we might, we might uh, find other interesting things in the fields of view that we will, we will be observing here. Right. What have you got to do now? Um, and what stage are you at here at Siding Spring? So, you want to say? <clears throat> well, the hardware is mostly set. Mm -hmm. So right now we want to put the software on it for us when we leave to be able to connect to it from uh, back from Poland and just run the tests first and then actually observe. Right. And it's it's going to be basically unmanned and automated, completely automated. Is that the it's supposed to be like planned? that? <laughs> so the idea is to have the robotic network of telescopes and the pipeline to reduce the data, and then the papers will be produced. Let's say automatically. For us. For us. <laughs> I think we should just to sign here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing Peter mentions. It's yes. our friend Milena who is uh, also, uh, Milena and Chris, they're also on the team, they're not here, but yes. Milena at one stage promised that she is dealing with the data pipeline, that the data pipeline will, will not only produce scientific data, but submitted papers. Oh, so, so, you don't so, have to write the yeah, I think, correct yeah, in English. <laughs> correct in English, so I think this wow. is a good thing to mention in, in, like in this podcast that Milena yeah. Tychek, uh, she And said, she's promised. Yes, she promised. So she <laughs> might, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold it to that. Actually, when they come, they're coming in a couple of months, aren't they? Two weeks, in fact. Oh, two weeks. Okay, in a couple well, of weeks, in fact. It's oh, yeah, um, we'll... the beginning of March. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get her down and 
question her about her so promises. Restate the moat. <laughs> that's right. I heard you promise. You will be able to verify it. Yeah, maybe ask some that's right. questions. And the answer will be, what? <laughs> <laughs> so here in Australia, you'll be finishing up in how long? And End of March. End of March. That's the idea. And we hope mm. that we will do it. Uh, we have two almost operational telescopes in South Africa. But because of some uh, delays, we wasn't able to introduce all the security systems. So we want to go back to South Africa for a few weeks to finish everything there. But we hope that the Australia will be the first truly operational uh, Yes, because we always want to be first. <laughs> That's right. Um, and we respect that. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> Once you've done this, you guys are going to be, well, some of you will be involved for the next five years. Uh, is that the case for all of you or... Well, I guess I, I would guess say so. I'm finishing my PhD in a year or two, mm. so I will move to other projects, mm. but still will be somehow connected with this project. But Stan is just start just started. The yes, PhD. I pl I plan to use the network for for other PhD related work. Get it to write those papers as well. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. 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 Milana. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here in Australia, and you've you've said that you respect our thing of being first as well. So we we like to hear how wonderful the country is and everything. But I mean, how have you found? It, it's interesting to me to hear you know you guys leaving Poland, which we imagine is cold, snowing all the time. Well, you know, minus twenty right you, now. Uh, you know, if not, it's raining everywhere. One wears grey and is very unhappy. And then you come to Australia. <laughs> this is just our opinion. You know? well, I don't... And you come to Australia, lots of sunshine. So how you find and and going to um, South Africa as well and Argentina, if if you guys went, like how what what's your impression? You know, about that. How's it been as an okay. experience? So maybe I will start. I think every place is a bit different. Every place has its pluses and minuses. And uh, South Africa is very exotic, very interesting, but a bit dangerous. So we can say that Australia, you can leave door open here. You don't have to care about your car if you left the key inside. Yeah. That's not a problem. Don't worry about the people, you just the worry. animals. And <laughs> in South right. Africa, you can feel that it's important. The security is pretty mm. important. But anyway, Sydney and uh, Cape Town, the places where we have been, are beautiful cities and I think everyone would like to live there even if maybe they have small drawbacks like shark, sharks yeah, uh, deadly spiders and <laughs> so snakes, on so snakes the ants. but what do you think of that uh, we don't have it in Poland let's say so yeah. it's, it's quite easy to you know just kill a spider with, with your hand and you are not supposed to do it in Australia it can no be, don't touch the don't, spiders yeah, do it. and as you said Poland is a pretty cold country but I would say we have hot summer and very cold winter so we have both the coldness and warmness of uh, of climate and it's it's easy to do the skiing during the winter yeah. to do some summer sports as well but it's much more uh, how would you say that there is, I'm lacking the word of, uh, on one side you have the different, big differences. Right, okay. So that's, the variety of the things. variety yeah. is much greater. It's very, like, condensed, you know, Europe. For here, like you were talking about skiing, we would have to drive a, the equivalent of driving across Europe to go skiing yes. down the things <laughs> yeah. where you just go well, down the road, you know. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good point that you mentioned uh, South Africa. Both South Africa and Australia, are, you have uh, a lot of open space. 
Yes. And like the, the site we're at here now, uh, Siding Spring Observatory, the view is just breathtaking. I mean, you, you, uh, you wouldn't expect something like this in Europe, in most places. Even though we have very beautiful mountains and yes. very, very, very beautiful landscapes, there, the, the, there's much more people. The, the population density is much higher. Yeah. And here you can just go for a walk and then you can see no one. And you can drive for 100, 200 kilometers on a road that's straight to the horizon and yes. meet no one on the <laughs> that's road. Right. And that's something that uh, we really miss in Poland and generally in Europe. I mm. mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, good to be able to see this year though we do love our country oh absolutely <laughs> yes you know because this is an international podcast um well thank you very much guys um is there anything anywhere uh that people online can go look at your project or do you have a website or yes. you can check our project on www.projectsolaris.com uh, okay you... and i'll put a link uh, sorry in. Uh, uh, okay, you can uh, uh, cut EU. it. <laughs> so there is a project Solaris at projectsolaris.eu. Right. Okay. Sorry. And I'll put a link in the the yeah. show notes and everything for it. Well, thank you very much. Thank um, you. Very much appreciate your time, guys. Thanks. Thank you very much. What a great bunch of guys and fabulous sense of humours as well. Is that the word? Sense of humours. Senses of humour, that sounds better. I thoroughly enjoyed doing this interview, and if you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate if you leave a uh, comment and a review on iTunes. Five stars, please. Um, also, if you've got an idea about what you would like one of our guests to talk about, how about popping over to the website or our Facebook page, astropodcast.com, or click on the link on astropodcast.com to our Facebook page and leave a suggestion there. Love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Astro Podcast. Why not leave a comment and rating on iTunes so other people can listen in too? If you want to nominate someone to be interviewed, then send an email to alison at astropodcast.com and she'll do her best to make it so. 